Poppin' the Christian Bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by, well, no one, because we're still small. But someday, hopefully, by companies like Apple and Amazon. A new Hunger Games book and movie? Kurt needs a music correspondent? A website that will self-destruct? I share some running technology, and we hear a TED Talk from someone you'd be surprised did a TED Talk. Science and religion are not antagonists. On the contrary, they're sisters. All this and more coming up next. It is episode 10, folks, on the Cultured Christian Podcast, and we are super geek that you're here we're doing a little celebrating because it was one of my goals to make it to 10 episodes the double digits in the podcast world i hear it's actually quite rare for a new podcast to make it to double digit episodes so we're calling it a milestone and we're celebrating over here with you we encourage you to celebrate And uh, how am I celebrating? I have poured some of my favorite whiskey. It is Bullet Bourbon. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's quite a suburban when it comes to whiskey, but it's good. It's great. It's economical and does the job. And so we are again celebrating episode 10 of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Again, thanks for tuning in. If it's your first time, what we're about is cultural commentary from a Christian perspective. Christians are often the first to critique culture and technology. Instead, we're going to try to offer commentary, what we think about music and movies and fashion and all sorts of technology. There's just lots of ways that we come at it. And so we think it's okay to be Christians, to follow Christ, to attend church or not to attend church, whatever that part of your life looks like right now is okay. You're welcome here at the Cultured Christian Podcast, but we just want to take a look and have a conversation about what's going on in culture, technology, and faith. And so let's dive into this episode 10 of the podcast. I tweeted this week that this summer, all of us who will show up at a beach anywhere on the planet are going to be looking a lot more like Fat Thor than the normal Thor, (laughs) and uh, people seem to agree with that. But speaking of Thor, have you guys checked out Chris Helmsworth is in a new film? It's one of these things that uh, if you log into Netflix nowadays, they have the top 10 And then they also have like Netflix recommends. So Netflix is really kind of spamming you right when you log in with, hey, this is what everybody's watching. And this is also what we think you should watch. So kind of the nexus, the intersection of those two things. I uh, saw this extraction movie that features our Thor character. And yeah, like a lot of Netflix films, I went into it kind of like, eh, I don't know what this will be like, but I was pleasantly surprised. It was actually a fairly well done uh, action film. It has a lot of killing in it and uh, a lot of action, Uh, fairly decent storyline. I would say that's on the weaker side, but if you go to IMBD or IMDB, if you're not dyslexic, it's got a 6.8 out of 10. So the ratings are pretty good so far on this thing. But yeah, 
If you haven't checked it out and you like action films, things like Jack Ryan, any sort of like military-based uh, film, I would definitely check it out. It uh, was just a fun kind of almost mindless journey. It's basically, let me see what this says here. It's a uh, fearless black market mercenary embarks on the most deadly extraction of his career when he's enlisted to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. Now, I should read that like I'm a movie. Like, how do you talk? I'm Tyler Rake, a fearless black market mercenary, embarks on a most deadly extraction of his career when he's enlisted to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. <laughs> I've always wanted to use that voice. So there you go. Free of charge here on the podcast, my movie announcer voice. But uh, yeah, so if you weren't into checking out Extraction, now that I've given you that intro, check it out. Peter Malak, Panem, Katniss Everdeen. Do any of those names ring a bell? Any of those words ring a bell to those of you podcast listeners? Hopefully to many of you, it is none other than The Hunger Games. And I'm here to tell you, fans of The Hunger Games, and maybe some of you have never checked it out, you will check it out because I've got some juicy news. The odds are ever in our favor right now because they are releasing, or I should say Suzanne Collins, the author of The Hunger Games, is releasing a new novel coming up on May 19th, just a few short weeks away. She's releasing a new book called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snake. And this new book, guess what, folks, is also already going to be made into a film. There will be a new Hunger Games movie as well. I am super excited about this. I was a huge Hunger Games fan. I was the guy who read the three books, four books uh, of the series before seeing it in the movies, which I always recommend. Whenever there's a book made into a movie, you got to read it first just because they can get so much more character development and so many more elements within a book than a two, two and a half hour movie. And that way you also have your own imagination creating the characters, not the other way around. When you go watch a movie, you have Jennifer Lawrence in your mind when you read the book and you see Katniss. So I just think it's always good go from book to movie. So I'll definitely be picking up that book and hope you do as well. But the film and the book are going to focus on uh, someone in the story that wasn't really a favorite of most people. Uh, his first name, in fact, you may not even have known. I just knew him as President Snow, but he actually has his name. It is Coriolanus. Coriolanus. That's a fun one to pronounce. And according to this article that I've read, it focuses on him at age 18, years before he would become the tyrannical president of Panem. Young Coriolanus is handsome and charming, and though the Snow family has fallen on hard times, he sees a chance for a change in his fortunes when he's chosen to be a mentor for the 10th Hunger Games, only to have his elation dashed when he is assigned to mentor the girl tribute from impoverished District 12. Now, if that sounds familiar, yes, District 12 is the district 
that our good friend Katniss Everdeen uh, came from. So, very cool story there uh, coming out. Very cool news coming out there for this new Hunger Games book and movie. And I don't know about you, but I love this series. And I can't wait to read this new book and see this film when it comes out. Now, speaking of movies, can we agree that this quarantine season what really stinks is for those of us movie goers this season just plain sucks it's terrible we can't go to our theaters it's been seven weeks eight weeks now that we've been in this lockdown self-quarantine and we have not been able to see any movies in the theater and there's probably many of you that don't really care about that anymore especially with netflix and our tvs and our living rooms have gotten huge but I just still think there's something, there's, there's nothing like seeing, especially the blockbusters at the theater. And I've just been bummed to see a bunch of movies uh, move back, um, delayed indefinitely. Some of them, the lesser ones, are kind of being released in your home. You can pay $20 and watch on Apple TV or Amazon Prime. But I just think that's silly. It just takes away, to me, the whole excitement of going to the movies. But again, some of the big blockbusters aren't even coming out now. They don't have a release date. They've been delayed indefinitely. So that's just a stinky part. Can we just agree that that stinks? And moving in another direction, I have been made aware, it's funny going through 10 episodes, and I realize that in the culture section, I'm kind of really only ever focusing on streaming like shows, documentaries, and movies. Like those are my two, that's my sweet spot when it comes to things that I talk about. And so I got to thinking, man, Again, some of this would be so much better with a co-host. I'm praying and hoping that at some point there's someone who comes down the pike who can kind of be that person that maybe likes uh, different things than I do. We have different strengths and weaknesses, all that kind of jazz. Um, but I realize that music is one of those areas. Music is such a huge part of our lives. And for some of you, music culturally is far more a part of your life than movies and Netflix, especially the younger generations. You pretty much have your AirPods in all day, just constantly streaming a soundtrack of music in your ear. And so, um, man, I need a music correspondent. Like, I need somebody to come on here. Because, again, it's not that I don't love music. I, I listen to music uh, all throughout the week. I listen more in my car, which we're not driving as much. Podcasts and music in the car were a big deal. Um, but around the house, you know, obviously I can too. And the thing about me, it's kind of reflective of my character and one of the creeds that I live by, which is no one falls into a simple set of labels. And I think a lot of people like listen to one genre. It's like, I'm all country all the time, or I'm into rap, rap's incredible, or I'm into jazz or whatever. And much like how I live my life, I don't really fall into a simple set of labels. Like a lot of people shared their Spotify, like top 10 artists or whatever, that thing that was going around Instagram where everybody shared their like stats, if you will. And I didn't, and I didn't for a number of reasons, but one of them is that my music taste is so varied. I appreciate and love jazz. I appreciate and love country. I appreciate and love pop music, the latest, you know, mainstream music, right? Like there's only a few 
types of music that I really don't care for. Uh, and I'm not going to share those because then you'll all be angry that I picked the, the one genre that you liked. But all that to say, I need a music correspondent. I'm going to try to talk more about music on here. But one cool way that I thought, again, you could get involved, and I want to encourage uh, community involvement, listener involvement, is I'm going to create a playlist over on Spotify. Sorry, those of you Apple Music fans, but we're going with the big one, Spotify. And I thought it would be fun to create a Cultured Christians playlist that is shareable, editable, whatever you call it, where we can all drop songs in there. And so I'm going to encourage you. I'll share the link if there is a link. I think they link. If there is a link, I'll share it in the uh, show notes. Otherwise, just search for it in Spotify and let's share some music, man. Just view it as like Kurt needs to hear this. Like this is music that Kurt needs to be uh, checking out. And maybe I'll mention your song on the next podcast. But that's an easy way. Just point and click. You can be sharing some of those top three songs that you're listening to to the Cultured Christian podcast playlist. And then that way we all have access to it and can start moving in that direction. So please help me out with that. That would be a great way to expand this podcast. Lastly, here in our culture section, I thought it was important to mention that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Ever since 1949, basically right after World War II, we've had this marked as Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think it's something that we should all care about. The fact that one in five people, one in five, will experience a mental illness over the course of their lifetime. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed in, in, in myself, in my family, in my group of friends, it's always shame and fear that keeps us silent. It's kind of this humanity thing that we just, we don't want to share that we're struggling mentally, that we have emotional issues, that we're fearful, we have anxiety, or you name whatever kind of mental issue that's going on, we just find ourselves locked in shame and fear. And I just want to encourage you during this month, especially in the midst of this pandemic, whatever's going on inside of your head, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling drawn to addictions, are involved in addictions, if you're feeling tremendous loneliness or suicidal thoughts, I can't encourage you more to do two things, just two things, two seemingly small things, but could be as profound for you as it was for me. And that is first to talk about it. You've got to come out of your headspace and you've got to start talking about it. And maybe that's just someone anonymously online in a Reddit, in a blog, there's all sorts of things you can do to not have your name there and you can be talking as Jane Doe, John Doe. That can be a, a first step to start talking with an individual. But then I would encourage you to get face-to-face -face with someone. Talk to someone in person that you trust, whether it's a family member, a pastor, uh, a youth pastor, uh, someone that you look up to, share with them what's going on. Get it out of your head. And finally, that person that you talk to may need to be a professional. If you've never been to professional counseling, there are, I'll joke firstly about this, there are people who will take your money. You can pay them 
to sit and listen to you for an hour. Like, I think that would be helpful for anyone, regardless of your mental health, just to have someone to listen to. But then those people have skills that they've developed and they've gone through training and they're able to take what you're filling their ears with and they're able to turn that back towards you and to give you tools and to give you help moving in a better direction. And for me personally, having seen over the course of my life many different counselors, that was so important and crucial for my development as a man is to just, again, talk to a trusted individual. Again, different seasons of my life, it was more profound than others. If you've never seen a counselor, if you need a referral or you want some help with that decision, again, I can help out with that. So number one, talk about it. Talk about it anonymously. Talk about it in person. Talk about it with a professional or a pastor or someone that you trust. And then lastly, I just want to encourage you, second tip here, second encouragement from me, just this guy in Michigan who's doing this podcast, uh, again, these things have been so helpful for me, though, is to journal. I heard someone say years ago that journaling is the best therapy. And for me now, if you were to see in my bedroom above my closet, above my clothes and the shelf there... I have probably 40 journals now filled up. I've been consistently journaling since I was uh, 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. I've been journaling and fairly consistent, not daily, but I would say two or three on average a week. And guys, I'm speaking to you as well as the women, because I think for me early on, I felt like a journal was a diary. And so that mental thing got in the way a lot of times. But a diary is basically you are a reporter and you're reporting your day. You're saying, this is what happened today. I woke up. I went for a walk. I saw Johnny and my heart skipped a beat. That's a diary, okay? But for me, a journal is kind of more the highlights, not sharing every line, not saying everything that happened in your day. It's also sharing positively. You know, here's some Bible verses. Here's a quote. Here's something I read in a book. Here's something someone said to me. Someone gave me uh, some wisdom or someone gave me a compliment. Sharing that kind of stuff in written form can be very helpful. And I also think as well as the positive stuff, it's okay to vent in a journal. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to, whether it be my boss or a parent or a friend I'm in an argument with, and do you know what's so helpful, more helpful than yelling at them or calling them up is journaling it, getting it out on paper. Because a lot of times by the time you get done, your heart rate, your heart rate drops and you start to see it for what it is and you say, you know what? It's really not that big a deal. And then you don't have to call them and you don't have to go to the boss and probably lose your job, right? It's so healthy to get it out on paper, to get your thoughts. And there's so many examples of this helping with suicidal thoughts, helping with anxiety, helping with all sorts of issues. So again, I just want to encourage you during May Mental Health Awareness Month, talk to somebody about the things going on inside of your head. And secondly, to begin journaling, you can grab a journal for $20 on Amazon or you can just grab a dollar uh, notepad from the store and just start sharing with a paper, with some paper, your thoughts. And let's all be healthier at the end of this 
uh, pandemic than when we walked into it. Heading into tech this week, were you ever blessed as a child to play with invisible ink? You know, that stuff that you got at the roller skating rink vending machine or that store in the mall that your mom really didn't want you to go in, but you'd sneak away from her and find your way down there. And there was just this little bottle, this clear bottle of this purple liquid, right? And you could spray it on someone's white shirt and, oh my gosh, I've got ink on me. That would then thankfully disappear over time. Well, I don't know about you, but there is a website that is basically invisible ink. That's just one of these things. The internet has so many crazy things, as I'm sure you're aware of. But I saw an article about this website that if people stop posting on it, stop writing things on it, it will delete. Like you have to post something on it or it will delete. So if no one posts, it goes away. And the website literally is called, this website will self-destruct. That's the website, www.thiswebsitewillselfdestruct.com. And so you can go on there, and I just checked it again today. It's been up for a few weeks now, and it says right at the top, this website will self-destruct in 86,256 seconds. And it's counting down, but every time someone posts something, it adds more time. So it just keeps going until someone, well, doesn't post within a 24-hour period. It's pretty interesting because you can go in there. Obviously, you can yourself write a note to the internet and just send it off to Russia, China. I don't know where these are ultimately going. I assume they're going somewhere, not just you know into outer space. But you can read messages too. So I'm just clicking here as we're on the podcast. And someone just wrote, Dear website, I hope the void is late in finding you. That's kind of morbid and weird. Okay, so I'll click it again. And dear website is like the default, like starting of what you say. So that's kind of in a lot of these. You can also delete it. Little pro tip there. Uh, so yeah, so someone wrote, Dear website, I'm always an optimist. If the glass is not half full, then I redesign the glass. Oh, wow, that's that's a deep one there. Oh, and then there's one in Russian. This has different writing. So there's someone who says, dear website, and then it's all a bunch of Russian. Let's go to the next one. Okay, this one says, dear website, I am in your jelly jamming it up with peanut butter. <laughs> so... I don't know. It's silly, as you can see. I'm actually surprised. Part of the reason why I clicked through three or four of them is I wanted to see if there was like a bunch of inappropriate uh, stuff on there. I don't know if they're filtering that stuff out. Maybe they are, but a lot of projects like this on the internet have been blown up by bots and people just sharing all sorts of racist and terribly inappropriate things. Uh, but from what I see, it's not just full of that sort of stuff. It's weird stuff like what I just shared. So if that's the kind of thing that interests you to share your thoughts and share them out into the universe, keeping this website going, or you just want to do like me and kind of peek and see what the internet people are saying to the internet, I thought it was interesting and worth sharing with you. I realized there was something that we haven't talked about that's a huge part of my life that relates with tech 
and that we've not talked about before on the podcast. And that is the smart home. And most specifically, this thing, well, let me hold on. Let me go over here and turn off. I just shut off her ears because I have an Echo device sitting on my desk. And those of you who have an Amazon Echo know the term Alexa. And she is often, I refer to her as my wife because I'm single. So she is the one that I talk to inside of my home. But um, yeah, so I feel like as I've talked with friends and family, there's kind of two very solid camps when it comes to these sort of uh, voice assistants. Either everybody loves them or everybody hates them. Like it's one of those very divisive things. People feel like the FBI is listening in, the CIA, it's the end of the world. We've got these devices in our house. Or you're like me and you see the utility of them and you're not afraid. Even if they are listening to everything that's happening, I don't care. I'm not a criminal. I don't care if they're listening to me playing video games, farting around my house, uh, yelling on the phone. It, it doesn't bother me. I, I, I've got enough confidence that they're not listening to me unless the wake word is on. And yeah, so that's kind of settled for me. I'm a big smart home guy. And so uh, I'd love to hear from you what you think about smart home stuff, smart home gadgets. I know a few of my friends have got into, they have, you know, like I do, lights around their house. And of course, a smart thermostat, which is a must. I've got a smart um, smoke detector and CO2 detector. It's pretty dang cool. Anyways, I saw an article this week that Amazon, one of the things that I love about Amazon is that because Alexa lives in the cloud, she is always improving. Their team is literally week by week, month by month, improving her ability to hear you and also to offer you uh, new skills, new things that she can do. And one update that we got this week is that she now speaks better in long form style. So one of the things I've noticed, I've had the first gen uh, Echo whenever that came out years ago. And one of the things I've noticed that's improved a lot is how she talks and how much more human she sounds versus I am a robot. Yes, sir. I will do what, you know, she never really was that terrible, but there is a huge improvement and this week now even more so when it comes to long form. So typically when you ask her something, it's just like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Will you do this or help me with that? And she responds in a sentence. But one of the areas that they just improved was her long form speaking style. So if it's a book that she's reading, she can read you your her your Kindle books, right? An entire paragraph, an entire chapter or for me, again, as somebody who's a, a Christian, a lot of times, like right now, our church is doing a series on Philippians, and so I'm reading the book of Philippians, and instead of just laying in bed and reading the book, I have her read it to me. You can use the skill uh, version, which is also a great app to have on your phone. Many of you have that app. But I, I venture to guess a lot of you didn't know that your smart home assistant, Google or Amazon, you can use the version skill and literally ask her. You can say, Alexa, ask version to read to me um, parts of the Bible. And so it's, again, a scientific fact that not just reading but also listening, it involves different parts of your brain. And so, and even as a uh person who studied the Bible, I would say it's biblical to say that we listen. It's by listening to the word that 
faith is developed, right? That's what it says. And so I not only read it, but I also listen to it. And that again becomes part of my uh, devotional life. And so anyways, kind of a long form way to share with you that Amazon improved Alexa in her long form speaking style. And I think it sounds great. And I love to continue to see developments to all of my many uh, Amazon Echo devices. Finally, in tech this week, I wanted to talk about a new technology that I've been using, kind of forced in this direction with, again, the quarantine life. I was a guy who went to my gym four or five days a week, and I've always ran on the treadmill. My primary cardio workout was 20, 25 minutes on the treadmill, and now I can't go to the gym. And so I've had to get off my butt, get off the couch, and run around the neighborhood. And so that's a relatively new thing for me, even in the middle of my life. I've just never been into running outside. And so with that, I have been playing around with different technology. And I just wanted to share it again with you that maybe just like a few months ago, you weren't aware of these things. Um, I can help you become aware of them because I didn't know them just a few months ago. And so for me, jogging outside versus jogging on a treadmill, some of the things that I didn't like was number one, and I can't solve this one yet, is when I run on a treadmill, I have a thing of water, a bottled water, and I love drinking water in the midst of my run. I hate that I can't do that when I'm out jogging around the neighborhood. And of course, I know I could get a pouch like a fanny pack or I could hold it in my hand, but that's just not really fun. Uh, and the other thing is my phone. So I have a huge uh, iPhone Max phone, right? Like this massive phone. And so at the gym, it's really easy because you have your AirPods or your headphones and you just set it on the ledge there and you jog on the treadmill. But when you're jogging in person, you either have to run without music and leave your phone at home or you have to run with it, which means you either, again, hold it or you have it on some armband. Some people have these armbands, which, again, to me, when you get all sweaty, it's sliding up and down your arm. Or you can do like I used to do in the old days. I had the phone holster. I mean, I was super cool. I had a holster for my phone. I put it on my waist. Uh, that's something that I did in the past at the gym. But here's a tip for those of you who have an Apple Watch. I think it's Series 4, maybe 3 and later. As long as it has GPS, okay, you can go for a jog with just your Apple Watch. And the podcast app that I use, I use a podcast app called Overcast. I can download in the morning when it's plugged into the charger, I can download latest episodes to my Apple Watch and then I have AirPods. It'll work with either version, AirPods or AirPods Pro. And so literally I leave my house and go for a jog and I'm listening to my podcast as well as recording with GPS the route that I'm running. So I have pace, I have my heart beat reading, all that stuff is happening. So the only device I have is my Apple Watch and my AirPods in my ears. So I was super excited when I learned that I could do that. Um, that definitely improved the experience for me because I'm just completely untethered. I don't have anything in my hands. I don't have any weird strap on my arm or a holster on my shorts. 
So yeah, you can listen even to this podcast as you're running. But for those of you who are more into music, I've had a lot of friends encourage me, hey, you need to listen to music when you're jogging because there's nothing like a fast beat song to get your run going. I also learned kind of accidentally that you can use Apple Music, so not Spotify. Spotify currently doesn't have the transfer to the Apple Watch but your Apple Music app, you can go in to the uh, watch app on your phone. So it's, again, kind of one of these hard-to-find places. But if you go into your watch app and then you go to music, you can select up to five playlists to sync songs automatically. So, again, every time that you're your phone, I'm sorry, your watch is charging, it will sync these rotations, these uh, playlists of music to your watch automatically. And then you can just be, again, running without any phone and listening to music in your ears. It really is a magical experience if you've never uh, experienced that. And then the other app that I use, I primarily use this for biking. I'm more of a cyclist as the weather warms up. I like to get out on my bike uh, and I use Strava for that. But I noticed that Strava is quickly becoming just as much a jogging app. A lot of my friends in there are using it for their runs in addition to some people who are out on their bikes. And so, uh, yeah, so if you haven't found Strava, I mean, there's a million running apps out there. I'm sure like RunKeeper and there's probably better running apps, I would say. For those of you diehard runners, you can share those with us. Um, but for now, I'm using Apple, Apple's exercise um, workout app, if you will, and then it can import into Strava. So that's one way you can do that. That way I get all the data in my Apple Health account, but I also have it in Strava to share with friends and I can keep going with the bike rides as I continue to do that, which I want to say this past weekend was so awesome. It was my, what I call every year, my maiden voyage. I had the great fortune of taking out my bike for the first time and did about 16 miles in Heinz Park near my house. It was beautiful, like 74-ish degrees, so beautiful. It was really, um, I don't want to overstate it, but I also think because of this quarantine, getting out there was really transcendent and really filled up my soul. Just sitting there and breathing in and breathing out was such a life-giving experience. And so if you guys aren't getting out there doing some form of physical activity, walking, jogging, cycling, uh, kayaking. I see some friends who are out kayaking, canoeing. Just get outside as the weather in your area uh, changes or goes through spring. Get outside, man, because it really does do well for your soul. And with these apps and technologies, it's only gotten easier to do that and have a good time doing it. For our faith section this week, we are hitting the time machine and we are going back to 1998. What were you doing in the year 1998, just two years before 2000? Crazy to think that that was 22 years ago. It's especially uh, notable for me because I graduated high school in 1998. That is right, folks. 
I walked on a stage and grabbed my diploma and ran out of that school and have never gone back, never looked back, never went to any of those high school reunions. But hey, 1998 was the year. And I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but I certainly wasn't until I found this. Do you realize that they had TED Talks? TED Talks, like you've seen the website TED, where they have these, you know, inspirational speakers, celebrities, scientists, religious figures, you know, you name it. Anybody who has something to say, there's a stage, and it's TED. TED Talks, right? It's where Brene Brown, she came out of that. I mean, she's no question famous because of her TED Talk on vulnerability, and there is tons and tons of examples of that. That's the one that comes to mind for me. But there may be someone who gave a TED Talk back in 1998 that you would be surprised to learn he did a TED Talk. I know I certainly was. The man that I'm talking about is none other than Billy Graham. Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, gave a TED Talk. Like, that's just crazy to me. And if if you don't remember Billy Graham, I know for some of you younger listeners, you didn't really grow up with any of Billy Graham in your life, and that's okay. You're more familiar with his son, Franklin Graham. Maybe you've heard of him. He's a f- far more polarizing figure, I would say, than Billy Graham ever was, but we won't go there tonight. I want to focus in on Billy Graham back in 1998, giving this TED Talk at the end of a tech conference. So it's not like it was TED religion. You know, back then there wasn't variations, to my knowledge, of TED Talks. They were just TED Talks. And it was at the end of a tech conference in the Silicon Valley that he's speaking to leaders in technology. Someone asked him to come and speak. And back in 1998, he was 80 years old. So he was already pretty pretty up there, right? I forget when he passed away. I think he lived to be over 90 years old, so he still had a few more years in him. But just as a little bit of a primer for this, I want to remind you of some of his renown, okay? Billy Graham, at that point, had spoken in 105 different countries. Billy Graham was a spiritual advisor to U.S. presidents, He provided spiritual counsel for every single president from Harry Truman all the way to Barack Obama. So that Harry Truman is the 33rd president of the United States all the way through Barack Obama, the 44th. He was particularly close to Dwight Eisenhower, Lyndon B. Johnson, one of Graham's closest friends, and Richard Nixon. He's met, of course, with many different leaders, and if you've ever watched the Netflix series The Crown, I think I've mentioned that on a podcast before, I highly recommend The Crown. I was never really into the royal family, but there is an entire episode about the Queen of England. Yes, the Queen who is still alive and is presently the Queen of England. Back in her younger years when she was the Queen, she heard of this young Billy Graham coming to London to give one of his stadium-filled speeches, his rallies, his crusades, that's the word, the Billy Graham crusade was all the rage and literally going around the globe. She invited him to have lunch with her. Yes, he didn't seek her out. She sought him out and actually had a very private and friendly conversation with Billy Graham. That's just the kind of guy he is. And I wonder if he was around today Would they let Billy Graham speak at a TED conference today? 
in the year 2020, I just think of what kind of religious leader would be allowed to speak on a TED stage. I, I, I hasten to think that they would not let someone like a Billy Graham saying the things that Billy Graham has said. But Billy Graham was a unique figure, if you haven't seen that already in my little bio. He was unique in his time, and it was um, a person that crossed a lot of lines that other people could not have crossed. He had a very personable way with people and just uh, was a friendly, nice guy, a genuine man of integrity that stood out uh, above the rest. And so I'm going to link, as I always do, this TED Talk, and I highly encourage you to check out this uh, TED Talk. It's like 20 minutes long, not super long, um, but I just thought it was really good. And he, I'll kind of give you an overview of what he shared about and play a little bit of it. But basically, he comes in with this idea, and he uses the people of Israel, and specifically King David, as his text from the Bible the person in the Bible that he focuses his talk on is, is David. And he speaks about the technological revolution that under David's reign happened and how the people of Israel started uh, smelting iron. And David is the one who brought that to Israel. The Hittites were uh, starting it, and David brought it over to Israel, which wasn't just used militarily. It was also used for cooking and household kind of things and, you know, food production, all those, all those ways that it helped out their society. And so that's kind of like the launch pad of this discussion. But where he turns it, again, brilliant and yet simple and yet profound, as Billy Graham always does, he talks about how David found out that there were problems that technology simply couldn't solve. And these problems back thousands of years ago in Israel are the same problems that technology cannot solve today. You know, it's it's great that we have smart homes with um, Alexa in them, and we have cars that are connected to GPS, and we have cell phones that are more powerful than the computers that sent the Apollo mission to the moon. Like, these technological advances we have, for the most part, are incredible, that I'm able to speak through a microphone, it's recorded to my computer, uploaded to the internet, and then... You're all listening to it from a device in your car, jogging, sitting at home, wherever you are. Like technology is incredible. But we always have to remember, especially as Christ followers, as Christians, as believers, that there are limits. There are things that technology cannot address, cannot deal with. And so he talks about three of them. And I'm just, again, kind of giving you an overview here to whet your appetite to go hear him more skillfully in Billy Graham's way give you this, uh, this message. But he talks about the three problems that tech cannot solve. The first is human evil. Human evil. And it comes from inside, he says. The human heart is evil, as Scripture talks about. The problem is not technology. It's the people that are using it or creating the technology. He goes on to talk about the human soul and how each of us have this inner longing. Check out this clip. And there's something inside of us that is beyond our understanding. That's the part of us that yearns 
for God or something more than we find in technology. Your soul is that part of you that yearns for meaning in life and which seeks for something beyond this life. It's the part of you that yearns really for God. The next problem that he shares that human technology cannot fix or solve is human suffering. Human suffering. He talks about the book of Job. Again, medicine has eased pain in our world, but it cannot eliminate completely suffering. We just, as Christians, have to call that spade a spade. It's better when we acknowledge the fact that becoming Christian, following God, does not eliminate pain or suffering from our lives. It's a reality. And technology has taken us a long way at curing some diseases and eliminating some pain. There is medications out there, and there's all these ways that we can have things eased or brought low, but... My goodness, technology has not solved the problem of human suffering in 2020. There are still lots of people suffering today. And finally, that leads into the third one. The third problem is, well, death. Death. Technology. You see this in so many science fiction films, just like I spoke a few episodes ago about watching the new Alien Covenant movie with Ridley Scott and Prometheus. That's one of the deep themes of that movie is creator and creation and overcoming death immortality wanting to live forever and how humans no matter how powerful rich or poor i mean none of us can escape it it's as if it's running after us and we just cannot with technology or anything else escape death we all arrive at our final final day a few years ago, a university student asked me, what is the greatest surprise in your life? And I said, the greatest surprise in my life is the brevity of life. It passes so fast, but it does not need to have to be that way. Werner von Braun, in the aftermath of World War II, concluded, quote, science and religion are not antagonists. On the contrary, they're sisters. He put it on a personal basis. I knew Dr. Von Braun very well. And he said, speaking for myself, I can only say that the grandeur of the cosmos serves only to confirm a belief in the certainty of a creator. He also said, in our search to know God, I've come to believe that the life of Jesus Christ should be the focus of our efforts and inspiration. As usual, some great words there from from Billy Graham. You know, all of this hits home for me very personally and uh, for our audience because back in episode three of this podcast, I did my very first interview with my good friend Jay McKinney out in Portland, Oregon. And I have some sad news to report that Jay has got the terrible news from his doctor in the last few weeks that his cancer is no longer operable. So he is now in stage four inoperable cancer and just spending his final days with his family there, uh, soaking in the sun and making memories. And it just is really, really hard for friends like me, obviously out of state, uh, stinks even more, but it just brings this truth of Billy Graham's uh, message home that someone as great and as young 
and full of life as Jay is going to die soon. That the end of his days is coming sooner than any of us would have expected or wanted. And so if you haven't been, would you please say a prayer for my friend Jay and his family, his wife Allison and his two beautiful daughters as he spends his final days with them. And I think, again, where I want to end this today is just to encourage you with that last point there that he talked about, the brevity of life, how fast, how fragile life can be. You know, if there's something maybe we can learn in this pandemic is just how much of life we took for granted, right? Whether it's dinner at Chili's or going somewhere to the movies with someone we love, just the things that we took for granted. I hope that on the other side of this, I have no idea that it's going to be completely normal on the other side of this, but I hope that as we emerge from this, that we don't take things for granted. We don't take each other for granted. We don't take church in person for granted. We don't take interacting face-to-face with our friends, our family, our coworkers. We stop taking it all for granted because one day, folks, one day, it'll be our last day. It'll be the last time that we do all those things. And so may we live lives that don't take any moment for granted, but instead we see each each moment of our lives, each day of our lives as a gift, a gift from our creator. And unfortunately, that is a wrap for this episode, episode 10. If you like what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation on our Reddit. Also, like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideals, email them to us at culturedchristians at gmail.com or share them via text or voicemail at area code 810-207-5717. We look forward to seeing you in the next one.